With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. News Radio 840 WHAS welcomes you to Jim Strader Outdoors, the area's leading authority on hunting and fishing. Jim Strader Outdoors is brought to you by Mossy Oak Properties Hart Realty. For the outdoor home of your dreams, call Paul Thomas at 270-524-1980. Linden Animal Clinic, your pet's best friend. Sportsman's Taxidermy. Visit them at sportsmanstaxidermy.com. A.N. Roth Heating and Cooling, a family-owned business with over 100 years' experience in the Louisville area. Wildlife Habitat Solutions. Check Jim and his team on Facebook at Wildlife Habitat Solutions and SMI Marine. Getting your boat back on the water in no time. To join in on the conversation, call us at 571-8484 inside Louisville and 1-800-444-8484 outside the metro. Now, sit back and relax and enjoy the next two hours of Jim Strader Outdoors on News Radio 840 WHAS. We came from the West Virginia coal mines and the Rocky Mountains and the Western skies. I got a shotgun, a rifle, and a four-wheel drive, and a country boy can survive. Skin a buck and run a trot line, and a country boy can survive. Country folks can survive. Country boy can survive. Country folks can survive. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Jim Strader Outdoors. I want to start out with Happy Mother's Day to all the women out there that have put up with all the chicanery that, uh, and, and responsibilities that come with motherhood. I'd be remiss uh, in my obligations to you folks if I didn't start with that. However, we do have a different type of program tonight. Unfortunately, we lost a real icon, a gentleman who put Louisville on the map in probably as big a way as any one figure, and that's Coach Denny Crum. Denny passed this week. So tonight we're doing a tribute to Coach Crum. And I want to start off with my condolences to his wife, Susan. She has stood by Denny through thick and thin for all these many years. and It's a pretty tough ride at the end. So, Susan, our thoughts and prayers are with you. And, of course, Steve, Scott, and Cynthia, Denny's children, our condolences to you as well. I'm here with Van Vance, the legendary sportscaster who helped get me started in radio. And Van and I fished with Denny a lot through the years. And, of course, Van covered him extensively. Van, welcome aboard. And I really appreciate you being on here to memorialize a great man. Well, thank you, Jim. I appreciate coming back. Uh, you know, I was here on the 100th anniversary of WHAS. I thought, well, I probably won't be on with Jim again unless he does a 200th anniversary show. <laughs> 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 
But this, it is very sad, the, the news that I received, we all received this week. We had heard that Denny had been in failing health for a long time. And, you know, when you think about how you talk about Denny Crum, uh, because you and I were involved with him in many, many ways, radio and television, but we also played with him in the sense that we were fished, and I didn't hunt with him, you did. And uh, when you start trying to define Denny, you're talking about a, a guy who was extraordinary, a legacy Hall of Fame basketball coach. But at the same time, you've never met a more regular guy. If you're just a man on the street walking down through Louisville and you met a famous coach who's in the Hall of Fame, you would be a little think of, oh, I wonder if he'll talk to me, but Denny Crum would. He'd even stop and talk to you, sign an autograph, talk to you about fishing or anything. That was the way Denny was. And then you talk about intensity in the great moments of the basketball game. He was one of the finest at making adjustments that won the basketball game. And I'll talk about things like that later. Maybe we can get into that a little bit. Uh, at the same time, Denny was a very laid-back individual. And while other people were going crazy, cheering and mad and this and that, he was always focused and always cool, and that's why Al McGuire is the guy that gave him the uh, moniker Cool Hand Luke after Al became a color man on national television. Uh, so he was a very patient man. That's part of what made him a good fisherman, yep. and it's also a part of what made him a good coach because uh, we'll get back into the fishing later, but I remember one time when we were in Canada and, uh, and we were fishing one time and the people on the boat uh, near us and we hadn't caught much. It was in July, and the sun was shining. It's 90-some degrees. And uh, all of a sudden, there was a circle on top of the water. And the guy in the other boat said, oh, my gosh, there's a circle. Denny will be here another hour trying to catch that fish. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we'll get into that story. Yeah, yeah I've, I've got some pretty good fishing stories. We, we do. We're good. Denny and, and everything else. But I, I think the highlight. My uh, moments, of course, I had a lot of them. I, the Colonels winning the ABA, the Cardinals winning in 86 with never nervous purpose. And I did a lot of the Cardinals before that and afterwards. But uh, that NCAA championship beating a Duke team that never lost a game, that's the high, one of the highlights of my life. And, and I want you to talk about that more coming back yeah. from break. Now, folks, right. we're also going to have Roger Berkman on with us in the second hour. Roger played on the national championship team. He and Denny fished all over the world. Uh, he'll have a lot of really great stories about coach as well. So uh, it's just a, a wonderful opportunity to, to do a tribute to Denny. He was, as I said, a very remarkable individual in many ways. And uh, one quick point about Denny, I guess, before we go to break, I've never known anybody more loyal, loyal to his friends, loyal to a school, loyal to a community, loyal to all of the many, many charities he worked with through the years. Man, I don't think, I, I can't name anybody, anybody that's raised more money for charity than Denny Crum. I, I I'm not sure people out there understand that, but he was very generous, very kind and loving person. Uh, in addition to being super competitive, he was complex in that way. Sure was. But uh, uh, that's one of the things that made him remarkable. Anyway, I'm going to go to a quick break here, folks, and we'll get back to these stories with Van Vance. This break is presented by SMI Marine. Tim Addington and his staff will take great care of you. Go see them. 
Tell them Jimbo sent you. And remember, you never get soaked by my friends at SMI. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. And tonight, we're doing a tribute to Coach Denny Crum, who unfortunately passed this week. And I'm joined by Van Vance. Van, uh, before the break there, we were talking a little bit about uh, the Duke game. And I know you've got a lot of stories about what Denny brought to Louisville coming out of the Wooden era out there on the West Coast. Uh, dive right in here and tell folks a little bit about that. Well, of course, Denny uh, went to junior college and then he went to UCLA after two years and played for Coach Wooden. And uh, John Wooden, of course, grew up in Indiana. He was all-state high school player. Then he went to Purdue and was an All-American and then became a coach. Uh, he, he went in as a Hall of Famer, as a player. <laughs> and then after coaching at UCLA, he's also in the National Basketball Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts. And later I'll tell you about going there and covering and broadcasting those ceremonies when Denny went into the Hall of Fame. Jock Southern and I were there doing a play-by-play of that. So John Wooden uh, has, is in the Hall of Fame twice as a player and as a coach. His last uh, 12 years, or his final years at UCLA, he went to 12 Final Fours. He won 10 of them. Yes, he won seven in a row. Okay, uh, a lot of the reason he won, of course, had, he had good players. But John Wooden featured a high-post offense. And, uh, of course, he had Jabbar or Al Cinder. And then after that, Bill Walton. And you can run a high-post offense when you got uh, players like yeah, that. There's some real studs there. <laughs> so John Wooden, uh, in the final 12 years, goes to the final four, uh, wins 10 of them, won seven in a row. Uh, and one of his top assistants by that time was a young man named Denny Crum. And I don't know who gets credit. I'm trying to dig all that up now of the exact real insiders who decided to bring Denny Crum to Louisville, but that was one of the finest moves that's ever been made for this city and this area and for sports in our, our general area. So anyhow, here's what happened. Denny Crum comes to Louisville. His first year, he goes to the Final Four. And, of course, he had Jim Price and players like that who uh, he had Bridgman and Murphy and Price and those type of early players. So now Denny Crum comes to Louisville. He goes to six Final Fours, and he wins two. And that means that the John Wooden style of basketball that Denny admired and loved, and he loved everything about John Wooden, I'll tell you a story about that in a second, is uh, that's Jim 18 Final Fours for the John Wooden style of basketball. There's no other college program in the nation can even approach that. There have been some famous offenses and defenses and this and that, but this was a winning way, a winning, a winning method, and he also featured tremendous defense, and that was uh, one of the highlights when I first started doing Louisville was that smothering 2-2-1. We might ask Roger about that later. But it'd be two men, two men, and then one. But, of course, that one back there when you were UCLA was Al Sender or Walton. So if they got through the defenders, the pressing defense, two-on-one and all that, now they got to deal with this big guy back there. And, of course, I know how important a big guy is because when I did the Colonels and we won the ABA, Artis Gilmore was a big guy back there. So anyhow, uh, Denny loved John Wooden. He used to quote, we got all of his cliches. 
you know, uh, be be quick, but don't rush and stuff like that. And you drop those in, Denny, at the end of the game when he'd be recapping or before the game. And uh, he really admired John Wooden. Uh, I got a call recently. I get calls from players and, and some of the pro players when I was in the ABA. But uh, one of his players at UCLA called me not too long ago. And we were talking about John Wooden because he was the backup this guy was to Al Cinder. And he, I said, you know, Wooden's in the Hall of Fame twice. He said, I know that, Ben. He said he should be in there three times. I said, why three? He said he should be in there for being a nice person. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. that certainly applies to Denny. And Denny. And Denny had the same mannerism as Wooden, had that rolled that program up the same way. And I think that's a lot of where his cool hand loop comes from. He, um, he patterned himself a lot after John Wooden in demeanor and manner. And uh, I have to say this, now I haven't seen him in a long time, but when he was a young man uh, and very young, uh, the last time I talked to him or saw him much was about the time he left here and went to Tennessee with Houston. But Steve Crum was a very mild-mannered and nice, very nice yes. person, always really, really an enjoyable person to be around. But uh, it's pretty amazing how... Uh, these players wouldn't affected them as persons, how good of people were they were, how they treated other people. And that's the way Denny was. Well, about Denny and big games, he had the best ability. There are a lot of coaches that plan well and do this and that are very thorough. So I don't want to put anybody else down. But during a game, he is probably one of the best ever at calling timeout or as things are happening, making an adjustment. With about three minutes to go in 86 and reunion and playing against Duke, a team that had not lost a game the entire year, uh, coached by Krzyzewski. Coach Denny Crum called a timeout. Johnny Dawkins was his top scorer for Duke. And we were having trouble slowing him down. And so Denny calls the team in and he calls Jeff, always says, Jeff, Jeff Hall, Hall and uh, Milt Wagner were the starting guards. He said, Jeff, I want you to get on Johnny Dawkins, get in his face, get right up against him. When he starts to go through a pick, fight your way in between with him. Don't let an inch or two get away from you where he cannot get the basketball. Deny him the basketball. And for the next three minutes, Jeff Hall, I saw him chasing through picks, trying to keep up with Johnny Dawkins, and they shut him down. And uh, we went on and won the basketball game. Milt Wagner had two or three free throws right there the last minute or so. Louisville defeats Houston, uh, Duke, the first loss of the entire year. I told Jock, McCullough man, I said, go down there and get some interviews. And I saw Jock down there waiting, standing with Jeff Hall with the microphone. When he went up to Jeff, he said, Jeff, uh, Van wants some interview with you. He wants to, me to get some interviews. And he said, Jock, and I saw Jeff, he looked like a sheep. He was so white. All the blood was gone from his face. He had chased that player for three minutes endlessly. He said, Jock, I can't breathe. Give me a minute to get my breath and I'll talk to you. And he said, Coach had me chasing Johnny Dawkins. So uh, that was the move that he made that, that I think won the 86 championship and uh, of, of a defensive move of denying that basketball to Johnny Dawkins. But then he had, had a tremendous ability to do that and uh, they brought that championship back to louisville that was uh, billy thompson and uh, uh, herbert crook uh, ellison and of course uh, mel wagner and jeff hall they were the five starters what a team 
I followed that team all that year, and uh, it was a great team. Well, you know, we're going to talk to Roger here in the second hour. And that 80 team, 1980 team where he played, you know, and, and they won the national championship was another. Just that was brilliant. a great team, great bunch of guys. I broadcast and telecast. I was not the voice of the Cardinals at that time, but I did some select games of Louisville. And, of course, Griff and Roger and all of them. And uh, Jim Terhune wrote a book on that, but the book didn't come out till '95. And if people have never read that book or are not familiar with it, not, not many people are familiar with that book. It's a fantastic book about the 1980 championship team. And by the way, the man who wrote it was a writer for the Courier-Journal, Jim Terhune. And I'm sorry to say he died about two or three weeks ago in, in Colorado. Yeah, Jim, I, I never really uh, caught up with him when I was at the Courier. Of course, I was kind of the odd man out because I was outdoors. Yeah, you're, you know. you're out on a lake. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I, I didn't spend a lot of time down, down in the office. You know, I'd come in and turn yeah. in my column and yeah. away I'd go. But uh, that was a, a great team. Anything memorable about that game you can think of? we got about three minutes here. Well, they beat UCLA at Market Square up in Cincinnati. And, of course, uh, Roger on that team was kind of a fire plug he was a tremendous defensive player. He was always, uh, for the opposing team, he was a worry ward. He was always like an ant or a, something buzzing around you. <laughs> he was always stealing the ball, double teaming, uh, going down and getting a basket. Uh, you know, he was always there, part of a winning combination. Never stopped moving. Movement, basketball is a game of movement. John Havlicek was excellent at that at the Celtics. When you tuned in a Celtics game, he was always moving. Excellent. And Roger was that way when you saw him play a Cardinal game. Anything about that game in particular jumps out at you? Well, the way that Griff played, uh, he Griff was. Uh, they had great fast break, and Griff could he could uh, take the ball down the middle, either pass it off, either stop and pop the long shot. Or take it in and dunk it. I mean, it was just a colorful team, and it had a leader in the fact that Griff was was the main horse. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But there were other players who who took a role and and made a lot of things happen. You know, a lot of important things happened. He wasn't the only player on the team, and Denny's team were a team. He did not uh, he did not have superstar type things, but Griff was somewhat of a superstar. You had to let him. Have, have his reign to do what he could do and utilize it. You know, this is surprises people. As much as Danny and I hunt and fish together, we seldom, if ever, talk about the ball. No. And the reason, well, that, well <laughs> and there was a good reason. That was his outlet, you yeah, know? Yeah. And uh, we had such a great time together. We're going to share some of those stories. But uh, the one thing that he always would impart to me was the most important thing you had to do as a coach was to get the kids to play together. Yeah. As, as a team. As a team. It was yeah. team, team all the way. See, that's back to wood. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, folks. Well, we're going to have uh, some hunting and fishing stories. Van and I fished with Denny in Canada and all over the place. And I think you'll get a kick out of them as well. we got to go to break here. This break is presented by Paul Thomas. He's the broker at Marcelo Properties, Park Realty, all kind of vacation homes, farms, and wildlife management properties for sale. Check them out at mophartrealty.com.
And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors where we're talking about Coach Kenny Crum, Van. Uh, you got a bunch of other interesting insights into Coach. Well, I was thinking about uh, Coach Crum. Not only did he do well here at Louisville, but then uh, Dana, you know, Dana Kirk took a lot of the same Louisville offense. By then, you know, Coach Crumman added his own and had other things he did. He didn't just coach the Wooden style for all of this term here at UofL. He developed and, and, and brought on his own style and added a lot of stuff to it. The game changed. He put the three-point play in later. But Dana Kirk took uh, – when I mentioned that Final Four stuff, I should have maybe counted up. I know Dana went to one Final Four, so maybe I should have said the, the high post offense went to 19 Final Fours because I know Dana went to one in Lexington at Rupp. He was in it up there. But uh, uh, Coach Crum came here and went to the NCAA Final Four his first year. And I've never been able to get him to commit to which team uh, he thought was the best he ever had because then he's, you know, that's, that's kind of tough to do. Right. Um, so trying to pick the best vacation you ever had or something. Uh, a lot of people thought that Denny thought that his 76 Final Four team might have been his best, but I'm not – I never heard him say that, but I've heard people say that he leaned toward that. Of course, the 1980 team won the championship in the 1986 team. Uh, the 80 team was uh, Daryl Griffith. The 86 team was the, the five starters I told you earlier – and then uh, a very unusual thing is Purvis Ellison in 86 was only a freshman. And he was only the second freshman in the history of the NCAA tournament to be voted the most valuable player. That's pretty amazing. And then players weren't turning pro back then. Now, in later years, that would have been it. Purvis would have been in the NBA the next year. Yep. But uh, uh, you hardly ever have that happen anymore because they turned pro. But he played four more years after he was the MVP in the NCAA Final Four. The team that I really liked while I was covering Louisville, the first year I did uh, uh, went to, uh, Louisville, I went to the Final Four. We went to the, the Big Dome down in New Orleans. It was brand new. That was a heck of a Final Four. It was, uh, of course, North Carolina and Georgetown. Georgetown finally won it. We lost to Georgetown. The Cardinals had a good chance to win that tournament. I feel like they came against Georgetown. They were an excellent team, but they came out of the Big East, and they played a real rugged, socket-to-them type of basketball, and it happened that they were able to establish that down there. I don't know if the referees, I can remember whether they were mainly, some of them were Big East referees, but I thought they uh, were allowed to be a little, a little rough, a little too aggressive. But anyhow, Louisville had a great team, had a lot of depth, too. That's the kind of team that can win the NCAA. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite teams, I thought should have won the championship. Uh, after we went to uh, New Orleans, then the next year we go to, we go to New Mexico, Albuquerque, New Mexico, believe it or not. And we were beaten out there by the Slamma Jammas from Houston. Uh, the other team out there, the teams were Georgia and uh, North Carolina State. Jimmy Edwin, Jimmy Valvano won his NCAA. We had already beaten uh, North Carolina State, Denny's team had here at Freedom Hall. Won them, uh, beat them in a game here. 
So I felt like the Cards, that was an excellent team. It went to Alaska. It won the Great Alaska Shootout. It won the Metro, Metro Tournament, the Metro regular season. Uh, Denny was picking those things up like it was easy. Not that easy, really, overall, but he was doing it. So that team lost to the Slamma Jammas. Charles Jones was in the center on that team. We're out there in that high altitude, and he had hay fever and asthma or asthma. And he's trying to guard Elijah one. <laughs> that was a big job. So that was a good team. The uh, the 1986 team, I don't know if you ever noticed about Denny's teams in the games. Louisville would start out and they'd be trailing. And Denny would be shouting and calling timeouts, sending subs in, and trying to get things straightened around. It was like uh, they're in disarray or they're not, you know, what's going on out there? This and that and that and that. And then it, his teams had a habit, Denny and his team, by about five minutes to go, here they were coming. You know, they kind of had it all straightened out, and they're playing the way Denny wanted them to do. They were putting the strategy in effect. So often I saw his teams play that way. And then that late season of that 86 team, not only in games, but in that season, they started to put it together. And uh, we went down to Houston, and they had great teams down there, North Carolina. North Carolina and Louisville are playing. And then uh, Nevada, Las Vegas, they were down there. And uh, uh, Auburn out of the, the SEC. So that's a p- pretty powerful. That would be a good Final Four right there, you know. Yep. So anyhow, uh, we're down there. And to show you how things kind of went, the sports information director at Houston who was hosting us, he had me sitting broadcasting the game right into the sideline at the press table. So Louisville beats North Carolina uh, in that game. Had a great game. Uh, Melt Wagner, Jeff Hall, fast break. We got the ball out on the break. Purvis was getting the rebounds. And I can remember there was a lot of breakouts and, and turning the momentum of the game and winning it. So the sports information director comes to me after the game, and Denny and I are on the air doing the post-game show. And that's one of the finest wins I ever saw against Dean Smith in North Carolina. And uh, I asked the sports information director, I said, where's my location for the game when we play Auburn uh, Saturday afternoon? He said, you're going to be right there, Van. He said, believe it or not, the North Carolina broadcaster asked me why I put you on the table at the sideline here. And I said, because, you know, they, they deserve to be there. He said, well, we're going to be here for the game, for the next game. So why are you putting them down there? Why didn't you put us down there? <laughs> <laughs> so they apparently, that broadcaster of North Carolina was a little cocky, but he went home. He didn't yeah, he went home. He went home. <laughs> hey, real quick here, boy, I got to go to a break because I want to talk some honey and fishing, obviously. But uh, one thing Danny always said to me, he said, when it comes down to the Final Four yeah. and beyond, he said, I'm just telling you, Mark, what I tell you, skill and talent are great, but you got to have a little luck. <laughs> yeah. He said true. injuries, yeah. you know, just stupid things can happen that, that yeah. can just turn the tide yeah. against you. Yeah. You know, a guy that never misses a foul shot or miss one here yeah. or there. And uh, I thought it was a pretty interesting comment, really. Well, you go back and check the 80 championship team, and one of the uh, – uh, the eight, uh, either the final eight or one of the earlier games, but a pretty important game in a regional. Uh, Tony, I think it was Tony Branch. He threw a ball up. It rolled around the rim, looked like it was coming off, and then it finally tilted in. 
and they probably would have never gotten to the final four. That was a unusual role of the basketball. Well, the Usually of, football it does that, but this no, is he, he made that analogy. He said <laughs> yeah. it's a lot like football. Yeah. It's just things that. All right, we're gonna go to a quick break here. It's presented by SMI Marine. Go see him. And remember, you never get soaked by my friends at SMI. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors talking about Coach Crum with Van Vance. Van, Denny uh, loved fishing. And he loved to hunt as well. And, and I want to talk fishing first. Uh, you and I uh, went with Denny to Canada. We fished here locally a lot. And uh, he was an excellent fly fisherman. Uh, you know, obviously fish spinning gear as well. You got a favorite story here? Well, I'm, I just generally overall, Denny, uh, like I said, was quite a patient fisherman. And he loved to use a 7 or a 10-inch worm. And it, it took a long time to float it to the bottom if it's a pretty deep lake. But he was rarely there. And when he went to Tallahassee, one of his assistants, Bobby Dodson, had coached with Joe Williams at uh, Florida State. Joe, of course, had been at Jacksonville with Gilmore and him. So Bobby called up down in Florida and set us up on a fantastic lake. And uh, we went out there and fished. It was owned by uh, a famous family that owned racehorses. They owned a television station down there and the radio station. And they had a plantation, and there was a lady. The man was dead, the, uh, the Phipps family, brother of Ogden Phipps. And she wanted Denny to come up to lunch. We were there about daylight. She wanted him to come up for lunch and meet her family and everything. And, of course, we were part of Denny's. There were three of us went out there to fish, Denny and two of us. And to show you how nice Denny can be, when they came to get Denny to take him to lunch, he said, you guys can stay here and go ahead and fish till 2 o'clock when the team comes in for shoot-around. I'll go on and do the social stuff and talk to the folks up up, yeah. at, the, up at the plantation house. That's how nice a guy Denny was. We're down there catching eight-pound largemouth bass, <laughs> and he caught he caught some in the 8 to 10, and I think one time he caught a 12-pounder down there in Tallahassee. This was a private property, and I'm telling you, it was some fantastic fishing. But he liked that worm, that, that long worm. I want to tell you an interesting side to that story. Okay. When I was a television cameraman, when I lived in Florida, Tallahassee, John H. Phipps owned that TV station, WCTV. And I used to fish those ponds and fish Lake Jackson and all that stuff. So the world's a small place, isn't well, it? And it had these weird creatures that you could see their eyes shining and their big jaws and their teeth sticking up out of the water. <laughs> Were those crocodiles or alligators? Alligators. <laughs> those old alligators, buddy. Uh, a quick story on Denny uh, uh, about Canada. You remember when we went up there to Hawk Lake Lodge and there had been a forest fire the year yep. before? Fished in a boat and, for a week with Denny there. And I mean, it was terrible fishing, yeah. honestly. It was pretty bad. Hot, yeah. And and the forest fire had apparently affected the spawn. Yeah. Uh, uh, before that, that was like two years before we got there. But. Coach stayed out there all day, every day. You know, and I I was in the boat with him a lot, and uh, he wouldn't even stop to take a drink of water. I mean, he was as driven about fishing as as he was any other thing, and it was it was really really interesting. We we uh, went to Canada together another time with uh, John Rogers, his son Ballard, and Howard Patterson. 
you talking about a group where we had fun. Yeah, that's that's it, quite a group. It right? was just uh, this and caught smallmouth. I mean, I've got a bunch of pictures of that trip, which uh, are obviously very, very valuable to me. Uh, but he mainly wanted to catch bass. That's what he liked. Yes, in yes. Canada, we had a real slow day. Hadn't done much of anything, and I hadn't caught anything in any size. And I catch a nice pike, and I'm pulling it in. That's one of the few times Denny ever got a little impatient with me around. And he said, Get that thing off of there. Get it out of here. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't like pike. I found that out. I liked it. It was a pretty nice fish. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, I'm a big pike guy. You know, yeah. I like big pike. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, hunting, Denny was an awesome wing shot. Um, he always liked to shoot a full choke. He liked to shoot his birds at long range. I'm going to tell you just a quick aside here on, on one of the hunts I was on. As you know, I used to hold those big dove hunts for many, many years, and there was a couple things that came out of that. One was we had a shoot where it was one of my television shows back in the day where it was Coach Crum, Coach Bob Redman, and Fuzzy Zeller were my featured guests. And, buddy, you talking about having a ball. I mean, everybody was jousting each other, you know, seeing who could shoot the most birds and all that stuff, and it was just – it was such a great time, and he fit in with that group so very, very well. Another quick story, Denny and I were invited. Uh, it's kind of a long story, but I'll make it short. I had uh, taken uh, Governor Carroll, Judy and Carroll, on several dove hunts, and we got to talk about how much fun it would be to get Denny Crum involved with that, and we were hosted by Merwin Ray, that old Steel Technologies. Yeah. Well, Merwin decided that what would really be fun was to have Denny and I up to hunt waterfowl at his place in Walpole Island. When we got up there, the weather had turned sour, and it was a dense, dense fog. And normally, geese don't fly in a fog. You know, they'll stay on the water. Well, for some reason, these birds were flying like crazy. And I was calling along with Billy Sands, the, the guide, and those birds would just all of a sudden be in your face, you know? It, yeah. it was extraordinary. And as luck would have it, a bunch of those birds that we shot that day were banded, and banded geese are you know, kind of a treasure. And Danny and I just had a fantastic time. I mean, it was just it was just really, really good. Um, did you ever go to Idaho with Danny? No, uh, no I never. I had a chance to take the Idaho trip for two or three years, I never went, and they quit calling me. <laughs> invited. I understand. I, I, like I like I told you about the guy earlier who was going to go to uh, Russia and fish. I said, you fly over a lot of fish marine here in Siberia. <laughs> that was John Rogers. Yeah, um, balanced that. After the after the after the wall fell and and all of that happened, but uh, no, I never went on the Idaho trip. <laughs> well, it it was a lot of fun. <laughs> When I fished with Denny, you'd switch. One yeah. guy'd be in the front of the boat right. for half day, and the yeah. other would. And yeah. when it got to be my turn, I said, Coach, I enjoy fishing with these nymphs, but I want to catch some bigger fish. He said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to fish a streamer. Yes. He said, well, why are you switching? I said, big fish eat <laughs> other fish, Coach. And uh, we had a lot of fun. We both switched to streamers yeah. and caught some really nice fish. I can see you when you and Denny were together, there's a little competition going on. I, I'll tell you a real quick story <laughs> to that point. Again, Coach and I were doing a television show together, and in the intro, Denny says, you know what, I'm going to challenge you today. I brought my Browning B80 
That was his favorite gun in the day. And my tight choke, and I'm going to put it on you. I said, you are, are you? I said, I coach, remember, I shoot professionally. He said, I don't care. He said, I'm going to put it on you. I said, okay, I'll tell you what. I'm going to shoot one-handed. <laughs> the reason I'm telling this is documented. You know, yeah. we did the program together. And uh, he said, well, what do you want to bet? And I said, let's keep it friendly. Whoever shoots the most birds per shell, the fastest wins. I yeah. said, that's just fine. All I can tell you is Jimbo didn't clean any doves that day. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> but it was that competitive nature. Yeah. And, and it didn't matter whether you were playing cards, piddly wings, or what it was. Denny had that competitive drive that every good coach, I think, that I've ever met had. You know, I did a lot of hunting and fishing with Joe B. Hall, and he was that way. Laid back. Yeah. Uh, and most regarded the buddy when it was time for game. Bulldog. Just yeah. an absolute bulldog. All right, we got to go to break here, folks. Uh, this break is presented by SMI Marine. Go see them. They'll take great care of you. And remember, you never get sold by my friends at SMI. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.